and the Browns, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, here's going to be something fun. We're going to break down some tape with Jake Burns, but here is the best part. We're going to break down some tape, talk a little football, and this is the first time we've done this with Jake talking after a win. Guys, I hope you're still basking in the glory as you should be. Last night was a great night, and what did you see? A defense fast as hell. What did you see? An offense that for about 28 and I think 27 seconds or whatever it was, stagnant, sucked, boring as hell. And then a B12 shot. You know, whether it was a jump start, whatever phrase you want to use, we got to see number six and we got to see the future of this franchise. And it was freaking glorious. Um, guys, everybody who was subscribed today, everybody who was downloaded today, this has been the greatest day in Locked On Browns history. I thank you all. I, I've been, you know, I tried to tell you with all the guests, whether it was a Jake or a Pete, there's a recipe here. They're getting there. There's something special. And I think we saw the culmination of that last night. One, one, and one through three weeks, going to a very winnable game against Oakland on Sunday the 30th. Then the Ravens at home. It's starting to look like, look, we're not showing up to a gunfight with a couple of butter knives. It's starting to look that way. So enjoy every moment of it, guys, because guys who cover it, me, Jake, John Colosimo, so many other guys, we see the spike, we see the interest that you guys are excited that this team is winning as much as we are at covering it, because it is so tough to cover a bad team. It is really fun to cover positive stuff. But Jake Burns... It was it was a good night last night. We got some good stuff to talk about here today. But how's everything going? And as always, my good buddy Porter will always cut him a little slack if bedtime's not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, man. He he dictates the entire universe. Monday night hall. football, Friday night. I mean, we see where this is headed. And it's funny, Jake, because we talked about that. Um, he obviously shares the same birthday with my daughter, who is ten and a half now. My daughter, Hope. And Hope is not the Monday through Friday Go to school, kid. She is the guns a blazing. We don't have school tomorrow. It's the weekend. Everything good. Party time. And so maybe it's maybe maybe it's a, yeah. I'm not really sure what their Aquarius sign is. You know, I'm, your wife probably. I mean, uh, Kelby probably does. I'm not good with that stuff. But maybe it's something with that sign. But yeah, it seems like maybe this is where a little young Porter is headed, buddy. He is. He is, man. He he fights sleep. He he hates to nap. So I'm I'm at work grinding, and then I get home from work and. She's exhausted, so you know we're just trying. We try to limp, you know it, buddy. You've had kids. You, you limp to the, you limp to the bedtime, and then you try to process any, any entertainment you can find. So we're, this is my entertainment, buddy. Like you said, the Browns are, they're my uh, reprieve from everyday life. So for them to win a game was, it was about as cloud nine as I've been in a long time, to be honest. Since since probably the World Series, uh, and and probably the the you know game seven of the finals. So it, it was it was neat. I think the biggest thing was is it was just such a there late in the second quarter it was just like oh good god we all we all fell for it again we got excited we really fought and you know and as and maybe part of it for me fantasy wise thank thank you Isaiah Crowell I'll take the two touchdowns because he helped me out in a bunch of leagues but it was like man we're down fourteen nothing Isaiah Crowell is shoving it up our butts in the end zone. And embarrassing us, and, and literally we, wiping his butt at the same literally, time. Literally yeah. wiping his ass. But the worst <laughs> part was, 
you know, I mean, obviously, and then Tyrod goes down. We knew where it was headed. And look, guys, by no means, as much as I wanted to see Baker Mayfield, because I think he's the better quarterback play, I, I like Tyrod Taylor. I respect him. And we're almost getting to the point now where we're a little nervous now because this is three concussions within 13 months. So uh, none of this is directed at Tyrod, the person, whatever. I just felt that number six was the better quarterback. But Jake, the B12 shot was put into this. And it literally this game went from slow, boredom, almost put you to sleep, to video game-ish, fast forward, and it just took the hell off. Yeah, I think it helped, Jeff, that that he came in in the two-minute situation where he could get in, uh, not to be, you know, too concerned necessarily with thinking too much. Is just, you know, let me get the play, let me get it rolling, we'll get, you know, we'll keep going. And that was good because, you know, if you come in, you have a three and out, you sit on the sidelines, you try to go back out, and you don't muster much. So it was good for him to, to come in before half, um, you know, like we said, get get some points on the board, and, and then you go into halftime and you can really – look at the iPad, look at what they're doing, have a good feel for what's coming in the second half. And that's what we got, man. We got, we got an immediate shot. As you said, Jeff, it's not, it's, it's with Tyrod. It's never personal. I had a lot of friends who were at the game yesterday and said it just got nasty in the crowd about Tyrod. And it was, uh, you know, it's never, it's never like that. It's never personal. The guy obviously cares a ton about the franchise. He wants to win, but at the end of the day, it's a cutthroat business, Jeff, like you know, man, and you just got to get it done. And he wasn't getting it done. I don't I, I think we had talked about this before. We you know, you and I've had banter. We, we talk too much probably about this stuff. But, um, you know, you know, Tyrod, the first two weeks, you know, it spilled out to you my theory of their conservative style went on defense stuff. And that's all fair. That's all fine and dandy until he plays like he did this week. And, and, and you can't you know, you're late in the second quarter and you're four 14 and you have about 14 passing yards and. And it has never looked more anemic than it did at that moment. So, um, yeah, B12 shot, man, that is a good way to put it. The energy in the stadium took off. It felt right. The kids started slinging it right away. And, you know, and I'm sure we'll dive into some more about his second half. But it uh, it couldn't have gone better for him. It, 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 I, I don't like throwing around hyperbolic phrases. You know me, man. I, I just don't I don't think it could have gone better for him than it, than it actually panned out. Well, the thing with Tyrod is it, we've gotten to a point where – the best thing you were hoping for from Tyrod Taylor was the pressure gets there and he finds an open lane. And that is not what you want with your quarterback ever. Especially when you drafted a guy who's got stones and is not is never met a scare a throw he was scared of sitting there watching. And that's what it came to. It came to, oh my god, I hope the guy the guy blitzes from the left. And there's an opening on the right. And you know, the best play Tyrod Taylor had last night was a 22-yard run. You you can't have that when you drafted a quarterback number one overall. And that's the part that got frustrating for me. And look, you know, I, I you know it was a monsoon week one. That's fine. You were in New Orleans, New Orleans week two, and it was just so bland and conservative. And look, Jarvis Landry, Pete Smith has said it. I've said it. Guys, he's playing better than we thought he would play. He is playing deeper into the zone. So it's there, and there's a lot of skill guys here. You can't have a quarterback turtling up like Tyrod Taylor's been doing. And you saw the complete opposite. And, guys, the first guy we're going to feature on offense tonight is obviously Baker Mayfield. But Baker Mayfield came out, and you just saw the difference. And everybody, well, what's the difference? What's the difference? The difference, biggest difference I noticed, and we'll see if Jake agrees, is 
Baker Mayfield was more ready before the snap of the ball. He knew where the open guy should be. And and most of the first throws for that two-minute drive for the field goal before half, that's what it was. I mean, whether he was better prepared, whether he was just that juiced up, it, it doesn't matter. That just shows you the better quarterback is now the quarterback. Yeah, good point. Um, you know, a lot of guys who, who play quarterback will tell you there are some who can, um, you know, innately know where, where the defense is going to be without seeing it. So, you know, if I'm uh, a, 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 an average quarterback, I have an idea that if a team's playing cover three, that outside linebacker is going to be uh, running curl flat. I just, I, you know, I got it, but I got to see it. So I got to watch that happen to know what's transpiring some guys are good enough the the best of the best the elite of the world i read that single high safety what's he doing where does he go then i know where everybody else is and i don't have to look back jeff i know that if they're playing cover two i know that guy now has curl flat or sorry hook curl zone that's where he's at i don't have to worry about looking back and finding him i can put the ball in a spot and that's how it happens you don't have to worry about it that's called guys who are able to see things open before they're open because they know what is coming open upon the snap of the football. Pre-snap is important. I talked about that on YouTube. Uh, the Browns Film Breakdown podcast I had Mark Schofield on last week, and it's pre-to-post. How do guys handle pre-to-post? And Tyrod doesn't handle pre-to-post very well. He doesn't handle post. How does it look after snap? It's not a, it's not a strength of who he is. So what Todd Haley's system requires is it has built-in answers, and people – you know, and we'll we'll have discourse about this in the coming days. But um, you know, a lot of my fear with this offense was, you know, is Baker Mayfield ready to handle this situation? And what we've been sold about his readiness, because to me, it was never about whether Tyrod could play or not. It was always about whether this kid was ready. That was what was most important. And and it just felt like we had been sold that he wasn't ready to actually do it. So, and this, you know, it, it jumps to a bigger topic of, of how they couldn't play this kid, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, how they couldn't play this kid right away. So, you know, w- again, we'll talk about that later, but it moves back to Tyrod with Haley's offense and they're being built an answer. So three sacks last night for, for Tyrod Taylor, only one of them were a direct fault of somebody other than him. He took two terrible sacks. So you'll recall the drive, they're moving the football they had gotten a couple lucky penalties, and it's it's mid-second quarter. This is Tyrod's last possession. They're moving the ball down. Tyrod throws a – I don't know why he would ever think, and I, I can't tell you, Jeff, whether I'm – I'm not in their playbook. I'm not in their huddle. Whether it's an option route and Landry has the option to take off and rail that thing up the sideline or hook it up in the soft zone. But Tyrod thinks he's running to the back corner where there's coverage, and Landry hooks it up in the soft, you know, the soft spot of that zone, and then it's – it's a uh, intentional grounding. So all of a sudden you're back five yards, you lose a down. The next play they come out and he just misses the, you know, as a quarterback, Jeff, how I was taught and it's how I taught kids, you know, when I was playing at Muskingum and then how I taught kids when I was coaching is whenever they blitz as an offensive coordinator, you want to have a route that replaces the blitz. You like having different layers of the field. So if they bring two off my left side, I need to know where my answer is for this throw. Is it a, is it a square in? Is it, you know, is it a slant? Is it a back out, you know, immediately? Is he my hot throw to my left on a flat route? You have to know. So two times last night, brutal sacks, and this last one was just brutal, and it's broken down on the film page. He just he just blatantly ignores the crosser in front of his face running wide open. 
and sits in and takes a sack from a nickel blitzing from seven yards depth on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. So I don't know where he's at processing-wise, but that is the difference you saw in Baker. Baker had a feel if they were blitzing, where are my answers? They're bringing, two, they're bringing three from the inside the box here. Where's my answer in the middle of the field? He did that on the first two-minute possession. He drives one into Landry on the deep cross on third yep. and 17. Or, uh, I think it was second and 17. Yep. It, it was beautiful. I mean, that's just what you want. He's processing blitzes, and, and, and it got to the point where the Jets are like, we're just not blitzing this guy. He's beating it every time we bring somebody. We're not blitzing him anymore. And it didn't matter to him even then. So um, the thing that made that offense go, and I'll, I'll say this. I, I get on these, these rants. I'm sorry, buddy. But the thing that will we'll always – impact in offense is how a defense is playing if you watch the first two quarters uh well really quarter and then 10 minutes the jets are playing with their safeties at a depth of 10 yards and sometimes inside of 10 yards they're playing on their toes they're playing downhill and they have no fear of somebody beating them deep even though callaway had beat them deep a couple times they still didn't have a fear of it because the guy can't deliver this ball anyway so who cares we'll run it down and make a play on it then as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback, as as a head coach, you want to have defenses playing on either the flats of their feet or the heels of their feet in fear. And they finally brought in this, you know, they finally made the change or the injury forced the change to bring in Mayfield. And when you do that, it brings guys back onto the base of their feet, onto their heels, because they're afraid of what could go on over their head. When you do that, what's a, a byproduct of that, Jeff? You're able to open some running lanes. What did we see finally? Carlos Hyde with 98 yards on 23 carries for a four-and-a-half-yard average. That's called winning offense, buddy. That's how you do it. You cannot be one-dimensional. And they were too one-dimensional with Tyrod. I, I have said the first two games you can get by with him, but last night was way too atrocious. I'm not sure if the, the injury doesn't happen. I'd like to think they have the guile to make that choice because it was that bad. But I don't know. The injury did happen. It might have rewrote this entire season, and, and it might have rewrote how we view – uh, the entire organization at some point, but that's that's down the line. But that's where I'm at with it. You got to, you know, Baker's processing was was much faster. The arm was much livelier. It it was. You don't have to be a, a football doctorate to understand the difference in what was going on last night. There's schematic things people want to say. Well, they changed the playbook. They they they, they gave him all these different. No, it was the same stuff. Mm, it is yep. the exact same stuff. He's just operating it at a higher level with quicker processing and a more lively arm, and that's the difference, buddy. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, well, and I will also add to that better ball placement. David yes, Ajoku, who's had a tough time to this point, he there were literally balls that were put into his belly. So there was no, all right, well, just hands, corral it. Rashad Higgins was another one. Um, I love that you brought up the hot rod concept. For me, it was always, you know, we were always taught open gate. So if you were a wide receiver or you were slot receiver on one side and you saw a low number creeping up and you kind of, you had your peripheral there. If the low number went towards your quarterback, that eliminated your route. You were no mm -hmm. longer running a nine. You were no longer running a deep in. You were running a hitch. You were running a smoke. You were running a slant. And that's how you combat it. And for Baker to only have been here and be a Cleveland Brown since late April, Tyrod Taylor obviously a little longer, but a better NFL veteran being around the game longer. You see, and I think what we saw last night is why they liked Baker Mayfield. He's just that quick. It comes to him that quick. Um, you would think, Jeff, the roles were reversed. You would have thought sure. last night that you were looking at a rookie playing right away, and then a veteran came off the bench who had seen some things before, um, you know. And that's that's the problem. And I think, 
and and this will bring us to a topic I know you want to talk about, man. And that's and that's why he wasn't playing right away. And I I don't we need to get into it. I'll let you bring us into it, but we need to we need to have that hard conversation. Guys, we'll do a second one with Jake here over the weekend because we all ain't got crap to do because we're already sitting on our victory W for Monday morning. So we will go here. What exactly has been going on here the last couple of years? There's so many. And I got in a war with Twitter earlier, but we won't do this war. We'll do Jake's. The war Jake dealt with today. Because I got told today that Hugh Jackson came here two years ago knowing full well it was a two-year tank job. And he agreed to it to maybe the fact that a franchise that hasn't proven himself ever was all of a sudden going to get it right. But that's not the war for today. This is what Jake dealt with today. Jake dealt with today. And here's guys, I will tell you this. As many draft shows as we did, me, Stephen Thomas, Jake, Pete Smith, I will tell you right now, the leaders of the Baker Mayfield bandwagon were Jake Burns and Pete Smith. So that is the one mistake you all had today, thinking that Jake... So maybe Jake's issue today was not having enough confidence in his coaching staff, which I'll tell you right now, same thing me and Pete Smith did with Jarvis Landry. Everybody, oh, well, he's on pace now for almost 1,500-yard season. Okay, well, he never did that in Miami. He never had a 1,000-yard season in college. So he's now maybe going to do something that we never saw before, which is what we all told you. But, uh, Jake, here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll go with it. Yeah, the no, Baker man. Mayfield, the Baker Mayfield thing. Look, what we saw in the preseason was good and probably was enough to win the job. But you can't tell everybody and beat him over the mallet that it's, it's Tyrod Taylor, it's Tyrod Taylor, it's Tyrod Taylor, it's Tyrod Taylor. And then you get to see a little glimpse of Baker Mayfield. And it was like, and, and you're right, I'm right, we're all right. Well, why wasn't it Baker Mayfield? So, yeah, I mean, the, my, my point I had made, like, I think it was the 19th. I don't know, was that two days ago now? It, it was, if you're if you're thinking that you can just plug and play Baker Mayfield in this, in, and all of a sudden, within, within how, what I said was within how they're currently functioning offense, that you think you can plug and play Baker Mayfield. And also keep in mind, guys, uh, Carlos Hyde came nowhere near 100 yards. The first two weeks. So keep yeah. in mind that does factor, and a lot of that did come when Baker got in. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the, my, my point was, and I'm wrong, and I'll admit it. I, I never have a fear of saying I'm wrong. I mean, you do enough of these takes, you're going to be wrong eventually. So my, my side of it was, if you just think you're going to plug and play Baker, I think that's silly to think that things are just going to improve because of how they're calling things. So on, the, on one hand, here's what my thought process was. I'm protecting the kid that I think will be pretty good. I think that he shouldn't be rushed. So really, I'm trying to, to, to change what an expectation should be for this kid. Because it would have been even crazier for me, Jeff, to say, you plug and play Baker, you're going to get 200 yards every half. That, that's crazier. It would have been just outlandish to think that that's possible. Because this kid did something that I think I've, I saw only like John Elway and Andrew Luck and a couple others have done in their rookie debut, which or even during their rookie season, which was lead their team from a 14-point deficit back to a victory. So he did something pretty unheralded, and I think he might have had the best debut of any rookie in the past five years. Any, so I think it was any rookie who didn't start, something of that nature. I think it was any okay. rookie who came off the bench. But either way, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. not discounting what he did last night one bit because, we, I mean, we've already talked about it. Showdown. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. And what I'm what I'm getting at, or what I was getting at was, I, I have been sold a bill of goods with this kid, and I'm a believer, like, 
I will never tell you that I think that, that Baker's the, the, the lesser talented of the two quarterbacks. That was not the point. I, I, I shouldn't have to explain that if you follow along with how I've, you know, my thought process has been with the draft. I obviously think Baker's ridiculously talented, but I also didn't see there's twofold for me. I didn't see anything in the preseason that made me, it, I saw good things. Don't get it wrong, but I didn't see anything that made me just jump out of my seat and say, Holy cow, this is proven that it should be, this kid should be game one. And I thought, here's why I thought that I thought that because they didn't really challenge him in preseason they were very predictable a lot of series that they ran it was like you know i'm pretty sure i had counted up that like eight of the series he ran were run run pass and six of them resulted in a punt because they're very predictable in formation and what they were doing i just didn't feel like they were challenging him and they were taking it slow so my thought process is they don't trust this kid yet then you have all of these reports we're not giving him any one reps with the ones we're, we're you know we're being extremely patient with him um and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, we're all hating on Tyrod. Like, everybody's giving Tyrod a, a heap of the, of the blame that comes with this. Fair. I get it. But if this much blame is being forced on the quarterback, that, you know, the coaching staff is probably seeing what we're seeing. This kid, the, the Mayfield just must not even be anywhere remotely ready. Like, I'm not at practice. I don't see everything. The media doesn't see practice anymore. The fans obviously don't see practice anymore. So I'm trying to temper expectations, and I'm saying, hey, just to think it's going to plug and play and work out like that, that might not be a thing, but the whole point of that was not Baker Mayfield can't play. It was, I'm really worried about how they feel about this kid and trusting him. I was proven wrong. Like that's cool. I get it, but it's, it's not the way it was being spun in terms of, you know, that I, I don't think that Baker can do the things Tyrod can do. I just didn't have a good feel to be honest. I didn't have a good feel for, how well Baker was going to play. And if, if you're going to be wrong, that's fine. I mean, I, I just, I don't, if I think if you predicted Baker Mayfield to do what he did last night, I think you're crazy. You're crazy town. Like he, he, we think he can be good and like, we know he's good, but, but that was, I mean, that was kind of some virtuoso stuff, buddy. Like that was, I mean, it was, it was, it was very experienced stuff. Like the, 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 the nuance of what he was putting out there was great. He only had really, one bad throw. I mean, it, it was a bad throw. It should have been intercepted in the end zone, and that would have really hurt them. But, um, you know, one bad throw, he could have ended the night 21 of 23 for like 240 or so, you know. So um, it, it's 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 twofold. I, I, like I said, I'll admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong about it. I, I just my, – my thought process was never to be hot take-ish. My thought process was I think you need to, to temper your expectations – of just how good you think Baker Mayfield is going to be right away. So that was the goal. I, I mean, I can be wrong, and I'm, I'm wrong. I think that it's shown that it's pretty obvious this kid's better, which brings me to the bigger point and what I wrote about it waiting for next year this morning. I don't understand how you can, how you can have this kid. So, something's amiss, Jeff. Like, how, how can this kid be that much better and, and we all think he is like, I think he is in the back of my head, but I don't want to get out in front of myself because I've, I've put a lot of my reputation for quarterbacks on the line. This is my first go round in Brown's Twitter. And like, I want to make sure people know that I believe in this kid, but I also want to make sure that people understand when the, the timing is right to put this kid in. So, um, you know, I, my, my thought process is how can you as a head coach and offensive coordinator, GM owner, see the difference in play from these two and, and not and not have those not have him on the field week one. I just don't understand it. And you can say, well, they had a plan. 
they had a plan. Well, that plan is stupid. Because well, apparently that plan was taking for two, tanking for two years and relying <laughs> on Deshaun Watson blowing at his ACL. So a pick that could have been 20 ended up being four. You, you, you can't always, I mean, and this is the thing. I do, you know, I cover it. Jay covers it. So many guys cover it. Like, if we have to take a negative angle or a different thing, you guys think, like, we're not for the greater good of it. Look, last night was fantastic for me. It was fantastic for Jake. People are blowing up reading Jake's stuff. People, this has been a 400% raise today for Locked On Browns. But I say something negative that I, Hugh Brown, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Hugh should still not be the head coach of this team. He got lucky. And you know what? For right now, he's earned this job. He deserves it. They're 1-1-1 through three weeks. I'm not saying kick him out the door now, but by no means did he be should be able to stay after 1-31. But you guys, don't blow up on us about this stuff. We want we want nothing but success for this franchise. A, it helps us in what we do. B, we wouldn't be doing it otherwise. Yeah, and it's like, you know, Hugh Jackson takes this job, like you had mentioned earlier, Jeff, and it's a dead-end job by every mean because... Joe Thomas has publicly said they they're tanking that the, the and, talent hasn't and been I good love enough. Joe. And look, I love Joe. He's a Hall of Famer. But here, guys, to the listeners, to the fans, Joe Thomas also told us that Sean Coleman was going to be just fine at left tackle. Sean Coleman now plays for San Francisco. So, you know, it's not a knock on Joe. You know, he's got to say things. And he, the thing is, he's staying within the community where he's played. So, and look, and Joe is phenomenal. Killing it. Love him, Joe. You're welcome on Lockdown Browns. Anytime you want, we'll bring in Jake. But th- this is the tough spot. And Nathan Zagar is another one. When you are this, associated, uh, this closely associated with a franchise, you have to say certain things certain ways. So look for the undertone of what these guys say, not the major tone of what they say. Yeah, and it's it, to me it was... You know, if Hugh Jackson took this job, knew they were going to be bad, he's 1-32 or 1-33, I don't know what it's gotten to at this point, to the point where he's if he wins every game the rest of this year and every game next year, he's still under 500. That's where we're at with it. But my point is this. He's in year three. It is clearly a win-now-at-all-cost mode. Your job is on the line nearly every week you take the field. But you how? thought Tyrod Taylor was the better yes. quarterback. How how can you justify that? How can and I get it. People were scolding me because I had that hard question waiting for next year. Just be happy with the, the future. How can you guys? This is what ticks me off, and it's what makes it was what makes franchises and teams average. New England fans don't ask this question. Philly fans don't ask these questions. They, I'm sorry, they do. They ask these questions. Pittsburgh fans ask these questions because they want to win. How can you feel comfortable having punted on? The first two weeks of the year, and if you just get a little bit better quarterback play, you win. It's like oh, everyone justifies it. Well, Mahomes sat, and I get it. There's no clear path, Jeff. I know I've, I've said it myself. There's no one path any different than the other. But, Alex but the Smith, two guys. But in, yes, in, that's in, the point. Alex, Alex Smith, Smith is good. Year. Yes, he was he like a top five MVP, quarterback. Almost had an MVP season. <laughs> I know. So, yes, it if we're getting that from Tyrod, you and I are having a different conversation. It's a different conversation. Because they'd be two and zero, they would have been two and zero going into this game. He would have yes. been down fifteen and forty. Yes. So the plan was wrong. 
if you have, and here's my point again, That's if you're getting, point. and that, that is the point. So the point, if you're getting, if you're getting decent quarterback play, you're not having this conversation, but the difference between what we saw from number five and what we saw from number six was unlike any difference I've seen from a veteran playing to a quarterback coming in, in a situation. And again, he was not put in there by choice. He was put in there by necessity. So we don't even oh, know if we would have saw minute. him last well, Jake, night. We're going to go. Cause well, here's another one. I had a fan tell me today that he was vigorously warming up on the sidelines with his helmet on, Baker Mayfield. So everybody in the stadium knew he was coming in. But yet anybody who's got a check mark next to their name who covers the Cleveland Browns, nobody said, tweeted, wrote, wow, Baker Mayfield is warming up like a quarterback who's about to come into the game. And here's the thing, guys. If he was warming up first quarter... Second quarter, he was not coming in in the third quarter. I'm sorry, if he was coming in with the third quarter, you didn't get that from that information you saw. Maybe you got a guy who's so aggravated that he's not playing, he just wanted to throw a ball so he didn't get himself into trouble. We would have known if he was starting the second half because he would have come out and vigorously warmed up for the second half. Don't tell me you saw something in the entire stadium new. Because you want to know what we'd know about it, because it would have came from a verified account or an account with source. So, I mean, I can't take it from a guy who was sitting in row 317 hoping he was going to get a free Bud Light. Jake, you still with us? Oh, I'm sorry, my head, my mouthpiece was off. Okay, I'm sorry. We're good. Can, can you cut that? We're good. We're going to jump into this right now. Okay. Uh, guys, as you can tell, it, it's tough for us when we do this because we do take. A lot of negative stuff because we bring up a point that might not be popular with everybody. But here's something I'm going to do for you guys in the meantime. Uh, the Athletic Cleveland. Great job, great guys over there. Whether it is Zach Jackson, whether it is a Dustin Fox, whether it's a Jason Lloyd. They do great work. I can get you a discount on this, guys, and I will put it up on Twitter when I put up the show. What you get with The Athletic is, is a subscription-based publisher of solid sports coverage for diehard fans. What is one of the advantages of The Athletic? The model is simple. There's no advertisements. There's no pop-ups. There's no autoplay videos. So whenever you're going to read an article, you're going to get in and out in 30, 45 seconds or whatever the length of the article takes you. You don't have to X out of stuff. You don't have to bypass stuff. The Athletic's... Uh, instead, readers subscribe to The Athletic. They get in-depth coverage written by journalists. And now, guys, you know all these guys. You follow them on Twitter. You read all the stuff they have. The best part is, is most of the guys at the athletic, I know them. I, I know that they were guys who can blend everything. You're not just getting, you know, a story of, well, the Browns signed so and so to their practice squad today. What you're going to get is you're going to get a little breakup of the player that they are, a little bit about their bio, a little bit of the history of the guy. You're going to get full in-depth pieces. So, guys, the athletic, go ahead, subscribe. I will put. I mean, go ahead, buy yourself an account. I will go ahead and put it up on Twitter. I'll be able to get you, you know, I think it's a 40% discount, which gets you to about $3 a month. But the guys at Athletic, they do a solid job over there. So I do highly recommend it. Okay, Jake. Um, I think we've gone as far as we can with this point. <laughs> and we kind of had some yeah. fun with it. Look, I, sometimes we've got events. Um, defensively, look, uh, obviously, fantastic job all around. Jamie Collins, it was a tough night for him. And now, look, we ate a little crow because we said in the summer we were concerned about him. Weeks one, week two looked pretty solid. 
there were some deficiencies last night, but you wonder about with a guy like Jamie Collins now, who's getting closer to that age of thirty, was it was it so much a tough night, or was there also the possibility of here's a guy who's not a good candidate for a Thursday night game? It, it could be that. It certainly could be that he was not moving well. Um, I, I have. I've talked to a couple people about how poorly he was moving around. That was a big problem. He looks slow. Run fits were bad. He does. He just doesn't play fast. He's got to play faster. And until he plays fast, he's not going to jump any gaps like we've seen. It could have just been a matter of fatigue. He could be a little bit beat up, and he knew they needed him. Who knows sometimes. But, um, you know, stock was down. Didn't cover as well as I'd hoped. Just, just sort of meh. He had a couple of missed run fits where, you know, plays were broken uh, on, on Jets ran a lot of outside zone and, uh, you know, backside linebacker pursued, uh, pursued his paramount and outside zone. So, um, just, just not good, not good enough. I think he would probably tell you the same thing. Yeah, it was a tough night for him. Um, guys, obviously, you know, this show kind of went a tad bit off the rails. Um, so, you know, we do apologize for that, but look guys, again, as we keep saying, don't take when we speak something negatively negatively about this franchise. If that's the case, you would just go ahead and constantly just follow the beat writers. And you would get your bland, vanilla, sorry Jared Mueller. When I say vanilla, I understand it's a very complex flavor now. So maybe chocolate's a little bit simpler. But I'm just teasing on that one. Uh, guys, Matt Williamson, the NFL Podcast, does a fantastic job. Locked on NFL. Uh, you know, Monday shows are the Locked on Host. Breaks down the biggest stuff of the week. Tuesdays, Sage Rosenfels. Wednesday, Mike Runner from PFF. Thursdays, Mike Sander from ESPN. Friday, he does Pick'em Shows. So if you haven't checked that out today, maybe go ahead and check that out. As I always say, uh, if you need a place to drop a little wager, go ahead and do it with MyBookie.com. But Matt Williamson, the NFL uh, Locked On NFL Podcast. Fantastic job over there. Uh, Jake, the best part is now is, is we get to just chill now. And, you know, 10 days away, you know, Sunday will be a lot easier for everybody um, what are you looking forward to the next couple of days here, bud? <laughs> nothing, man. Nothing going to relax. Those those film breakdowns <laughs> I throw up on day after games, usually Mondays. It's rare we play any other day than Sunday. Um, they're exhausting. It takes me all day, and it's just a lot of screen staring. And you know, good good little day away with the with the family. You know, take some time away, Apple watch picking, other watch other teams. Oh yeah, this time of year. Hell yeah, buddy. Gotta yeah, get let those the, first uh, pictures, Jake. You got to get those first pictures. That's right, man. I'm all about photo ops these days. It's exciting stuff, but no, nah, it'll be good. We can watch the Raiders and try to get a feel for what they do and just maybe take in your fantasy football team more than worrying about the Browns. So good stuff all around, man. One, one, and one is not as good as it could be. It could be worse at the same time. So, um, we got, you know, got a chance to go to two one against a pretty average to below average Oakland team. And then, you know, you have a rough run of games, but you keep getting good quarterback play. You never know what can happen. And look, I mean, Six is going to be excited. And the one thing maybe we didn't get here today is it seemed that once everybody receiver-wise realized that everything was going to be in play, you know, pass route-wise, every play that was called, it's a little bit different. Because look, Baker isn't looking to escape the pocket to make positive yards. Baker's looking to escape the pocket to continue and make another level to the passing game. And that is one thing he took away. And look, it was only a brief taste that we got of him. But like, you know, Jake said, it could have been almost 250 yards within 20, I mean, I'm sorry, 32 minutes. So guys, positive times. One, one, and one, gun your head. There is not a fan alive that would not have signed up for it to this point. But Jake Burns, follow him, guys. Obviously, at Jake Burns underscore 18. 
follow the OBR and Jake's work over there. Go ahead and check out Browns Film Breakdown. Go ahead and check out the Browns Film that uh, J- Browns Film Breakdown podcast. Look, Jake's resume is getting long here. I'm going to have to start limiting him soon. But uh, <laughs> go ahead and check out everything he's doing over there. The Locked On Browns Twitter account. Go ahead and follow it. To any and all listeners, I appreciate you guys so much. Today was fantastic. Looking at this computer, and even my daughter walked by, and she's like, Dad, isn't that up like 3,000? I was like, yeah, it's up 3,000. So it's been a phenomenal day, and I appreciate you guys for all the support. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. And before we put a bow on this tonight, guys, don't take when we say something negative that we're against the franchise. We're going to talk about everything. We're never going to agree with everything this franchise does. And if that's not for you, I get it. But we're giving you our opinion, and Jake's making some money giving his opinion. They're paying me some money to give my our opinion. So we're not always going to be 110% agreement. But I'll tell you right now, we're excited as hell that it's one-on-one. One-one-on-one. We'll get you some shows here over the weekend. We'll go right back into in-game mode, obviously, this week. But until we talk next, guys, let's go Browns.